Hi, I'm Hallie. I'm John B. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Hallie, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Uh, I'm Hallie Larson. I do not have anything to plug. And John, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? People know me already, I'm pretty sure. Uh, somehow I've been on here multiple times. My plug is uh, Pizza Tower just came out today. I haven't played it yet, but uh, it's already got 471 very positive reviews on Steam. If you wanted more Wario Land, but either played them all already or disliked Nintendo for some reason, I don't know why you would want more Wario Land if you had that going on. Uh, it's very much a Wario Land-inspired looking game. This this has been a wild ride because at first I thought Pizza Tower was food, and then I I mean it could be. Then I assumed it was a like a like a Jenga like like a physical game. It could it be, could though. be it could be all these things. And then I the last thing I expected from that name that it, it was that it would be a Wario Land game or like game. Yeah, it's it's got some pretty uh, good animation. It looks like and. Uh, yeah, pizza. Ta- there was a mini game called Tower of Pizza in uh, <laughs> Pizza Tower, the Tower of Pizza. Yeah, in Snoopy Silly Sports Spectacular on the NES, which is actually a Donald Duck game, but that's a whole different topic entirely. Uh, <laughs> Kimco's licensing shenanigans, maybe, maybe in a future episode. Anyway, that's my Wario mention for the episode. Um, if I say Wario again, then uh, I don't know. Drink, I guess. <laughs> Oh, I thought I thought there was like a curse situation where if you said Wario too many times, you turned into Wario. Yeah, I'll I'll probably summon him. I don't know. I've said Wario. I, I'm always talking about Wario. Oh, you said it again. Now I need to take a drink of my Safeway yes. brand Diet Cola caffeine free soda. Uh, I'm I'm always I'm always talking about that man on this uh this podcast for some reason. It just it just comes up. It is a topic, so it, it comes naturally. But it's never been well. No, it was a topic one time, I think. Yeah, that that. So obviously, it should come up on topic lords. Yeah, but it's but it's always unrelated. It's almost always unrelated to the time it was actually a topic. So well, I forgive you. <laughs> I'm, the f- <laughs> I'm I'm looking at a trailer for Pizza Tower now. It looks like it has split screen co op. Ooh, I, I didn't even see that. I'm still I'm just fascinated by the one thing. Gotta love split screen co op. Yeah. <laughs> it's developed by Tor de Pizza. So there you go. <laughs> All of this is making good sense. Are we ready to start off with some topics? Yes. Probably. Hallie, your topic is tabletop RPGs as educational platform. Oh, we're starting on that topic. Then then I'm can I revise my answer to are we ready to start on topics? I'm kidding. <laughs> um as someone who has worked as a uh, school teacher. My my contention is that school is not a great educational platform. No, so as a I will say as a parent, school is government provided daycare and it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, fair. Absolutely one of the things that it does. Um and so I'm always sort of thinking about like what are other educational platforms that could be good? And I like tabletop role-playing games, and I don't have, like, answers here, but I thought, like, it's a good topic for discussion. Yeah. Have you ever taught anybody something? On a- Who, me? <laughs> uh, actually, as an educator, uh, John B., have you ever used yes. tabletop RPGs to educate anybody? I have not, personally. Uh, I've never really gotten into tabletop role-playing but i have um no i have not (laughs) okay all right all right me either um but 
I have been, we have been doing this thing lately where, um, instead of reading Winston books at night, he's been really into improvised stories. So we will, yes. instead of, uh, reading him a story, we will make one up about Bouncy the Rat and her friends in the wild wood. Oh, that's very good. And, uh, he's so into this. Like, it's into so much more than he was into, uh, the bedtime books. Lately, my, my formula for coming up with these stories was like, Bouncy is trying to approach a problem. And like, as a four year old, this is educational in like that you, oh, you ask somebody for help when you get stuck. You know, like, how do you approach solving a problem in the real world is that counts as education. Yeah, absolutely. We haven't done much in the way of like, in in interactivity with it yet. Although I think that's coming. Like, when he 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 Ooh. takes the role of one of the characters in the story. Oh, fun! I, I think that's that is definitely like along the lines of what you're talking about. No, very much. Yeah, that and like you see it used for like uh like like basic examples are things like that. Um, uh, other examples could be like for social emotional learning, like just providing a platform for people to talk to each other and learn about boundaries and working with people and stuff. And I've done some of that work, not like formally, but informally. Yeah. But like, how far can you push it? Like, can we do calculus? Is, can we provide people with, cause it's there. Like you can provide a context for things and you can provide problems there and it's about playing a role. So in theory, you can provide enough scaffolding in the process. How do you feel about word problems? I you I am the sort of person who um doesn't like hypotheticals because they lack context mm-hmm. and I feel kind of the same way about word problems. Yeah. Um I I like them in theory but they're always like these things that are removed from the context of of the things and that's what I like about role playing games yeah. that they have context. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So I I'm not sure if this is a like a widely known like maybe maybe it's just a United States thing. Uh, but for example, in a math class, you will learn how to add numbers together, uh, and th- and there there will be exercises where like here's a bunch of numbers, add them together. Uh, but also there will be exercises, and these ones are called word problems, where there is a instead of two numbers to add, there is a paragraph, and you will have to read the paragraph, and the paragraph is like a tiny situation or a story, and you're supposed to figure out what numbers you're supposed to add to solve this story. Yeah. And it might be like about like getting change from groceries or something like that, you know, that sort of thing. And I've never had a problem with these, but I knew a lot of kids who hated them. Uh, and I think it's because they, they had learned how to do the, the, the arithmetic, but they hadn't learned what it means or how to apply it in the real world. Mm-hmm. And it didn't occur to me that like what they needed was more context. Yeah, and and I don't know if that's true, but like I know for me that it's that that like yeah, I never had a huge problem with word problems, but I don't like that like cuz cuz they're always so artificial, right? Like you don't have yeah. like like a train is going to x and y. Like there's never any like why? Why do I need this information? Right. And it's, you know, it's tough to come up with that just out of thin air, which is why we have all these textbooks and stuff that supposedly are supposed to you know, have the good word problems in them. Mm-hmm. They should hire writers to actually, like actual writers, like who are versed in writing short stories to write those so that they actually have some, some drama to them. And you're convinced like, oh, it's actually important. 
that I know how to do this math. Yeah, and I mean, you know, some some of it can be hypothetical, but there's there's like a degree because it needs to be usually it needs to be short because you need a lot of practice. But there's a way, yeah, like two trains are going to meet at a certain time or whatever. It's it's unlikely that a problem like that is going to apply to people's daily lives now. But you know, change problems or or things like that. They're not the most exciting thing in the world. Um, but there's you know there's kind of a baseline. <laughs> there at least of okay i see how this is useful yeah yeah although even with change problems that's yeah i think change got removed from curriculum not that long ago because um who uses change anymore i mean who doesn't have a calculator in their pocket at all times anymore yeah also that. you know what that's and that's something i'm seeing um more of in my my educational position i'm in a weird place because i'm not in like a proper classroom you know, I'm in a private supplemental education type position. Mm-hmm. And um, the information I get about what's happening in a classroom is this weird secondhand thing. And mm-hmm. But a trend I've noticed is a lot of kids saying, we just use calculators in class. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, my, my heart kind of uh, sinks into the, the lower depths of my body when I hear that. Like, it's a useful tool <laughs> and... You know, the, you're you're right. There's no reason, you know, if like calculators these days can do logarithms of any base, sure, maybe you don't need the change of base formula that often. That's that's a pretty high level example. But um, you know, understanding the theory behind it, if you're if you're not getting any practice, then you're you're not going to know when things go wrong. And also, someone has to program the calculators. Right. Or and you're using you're using your calculator to find things like, you know doubling a number by okay we're going to add 18 plus 18 and i i don't have a quick way of doing that without my calculator there are, there are two things that that come to mind here one is that well it's two purposes to the to teaching somebody how to do a mathematical process like like multiplication for example one is just understanding what it is and how to use it mm-hmm. there's value in like teaching somebody the actual physical process of multiplying two numbers together and then there's also um, making them do it enough that they are fast and can do it without many errors. And it's the second part that I think can go away. And it's also the second part that takes the longest. Yeah. I would say there's even a third part, though, there, which is like giving them access to the to the how it works mechanically for or maybe this is your first part, as you were saying, but like yeah, my first part was like three things. So, yeah. Like a peek under the a secret third thing, a, a peek under the hurt curtain of under the curtain. That's that's the word we use of how like this technology works to sort of say, hey, this isn't magic, and these are ideas and these are patterns, and you might be see these somewhere else and you know form connections. Yeah, the the counter argument to that would be that like the repetition is what makes you remember the process. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's way more important to understand why you would multiply two numbers than to be able to do it. I agree. Yeah. Even programming, like, it's super useful to know how the computer works yeah. and why it does what it does, but it is not necessary to do the work. Yep. Uh, like, it, except it is at certain points, and then once you get to those points, you can absolutely do that work. And, like, knowing enough up front to, like, go back and, like, know what to look for is super useful, you know? 
Yeah. Back on the topic of tabletop RPGs, I mean, I don't have a lot of personal experience with that particular medium, and so, but I, I mean, I've played a lot of the edutainment classics in the video game realm. You know, me personally, if I'm thinking about RPGs as an educational platform, unfortunately, I lack imagination. So I'm sure a lot of what I would come up with would be overly didactic. Um, you know, coming from a math background, it's like, oh, how do you use math? Well, I mean, most tabletop RPGs are full of some kind of math, or not most these days, but the, yeah. some of the biggest ones. Um, oh, yeah. That actually makes a lot of sense. Like, if you want somebody to get comfortable doing arithmetic in their head, yeah, like uh, the D&D combat system is a great way to do that. Yeah. Yep. My, my, my brother uh, has always had trouble with math, and uh, t- when he was playing WoW, he actually got a lot better. You know, with all the money and everything. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. And stats and everything in that in, in that game. So that that'd be like the closest real life example I have of this sort of thing. You know, very straightforwardly having an effect. I, I always like Oregon Trail as the example of the edutainment game. Firstly, everybody played it of a certain generation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think about what that instilled, and like if you asked me very specific details about what the Oregon Trail was like or places and dates. I probably could rattle off maybe two or three, but it really does get across a lot of the experience, like the thing you're supposed to get from history, ideally, that you don't really get in like a traditional education context. Yeah. Yeah. I love that game for that, for that exact reason. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very passive. Like, I mean, there's, there's obvious things in there that's like, uh, but it almost never, feels like it's really hitting you over the head with any of the information. Like it's it's even a step removed from something like Carmen San Diego, right? Where mm-hmm. Carmen San Diego is fun, but it's very clear what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. It does it very well, but it's, you know, you can see, you can see the strings. You can you see the teacher there like, uh-huh, you know? The game is information. It's all about facts and things. Um, but Oregon Trail is very more experiential. I mean, so many tabletop RPGs, there's lots based on, you know, specific history or tabletop war games or things like that. So I think history is, you know, a a very ripe um, field. Absolutely. Well, honestly, I think more games could just take the the form of Oregon Trail. Yeah. uh, More educational games, I mean, and and provide that sort of experiential experience. God, I, t- I tweeted at you a long, long time ago about like making some sort of org. I don't know if I tweeted at you or just said it aloud in general. And <laughs> you responded, and like, you know, I didn't respond because I didn't know what to do with the idea. But uh, I forget what exactly it was about. But it was like I know I was inspired by Organ Trail, the the uh, the zombie right. apocalypse version. I only played once. It was one of my favorite parody games because it was amazing how well the, that scenario mapped to the gameplay and vibe of Oregon Trail. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I remember seeing it. Kids can learn all about the zombie apocalypse from uh, history parodies. They did They did a really good mapping there. I found a tweet from 2020, pitch Oregon Trail times dope slash drug wars. Was that it? That, that sounds like it was probably it. And I mean, that sounds cool, but I can tell that I've lost some of the flavor of whatever was going on in my head at that time. <laughs> right. I wonder how many kids learn math from drug wars. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was on their calculator. Or so. from drugs. 
you know, like needing to like measure and anyway. Yeah, I've you know, I've I've seen Stringer Bell in the wire. I know how it goes. Um, <laughs> Math whizzes, all of them. You have to keep that devil down in the hole. Yeah, exactly. Uh, are we ready for another topic? Sure. I think so. Uh, John, your topic is Flicky Likes. It sure is. So are either of you familiar with the game Flicky? I am not. I played that one. I had a – um. this was a tiny video game console that looked like a Sega Genesis that plugged into your TV. And it had six games on it. And one of them was Flicky. And it was probably my favorite of the ones that were on that device. It's like in the vein of a, of a bubble bobble where – well, actually, maybe you should describe this because now sure. I don't remember. So it's an arcade style game. Um, I'm not sure if it ever came out in arcades because I've only ever seen a Genesis version. But it's an arcade style game at the least where you play the bird, Flicky. And it's kind of like a single screen platformer, except it is a scrolling screen. Um, but it's one level at a time and the level wraps. But the, the wrap scrolls around. Um, and Flicky is tasked with hopping up and down the platforms and getting all these uh, baby chickens to safety by touching them so they follow him. And I think it's him. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're running into gender issues with Flicky. Okay. I've never never tried to sex Flicky. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's canon somewhere, but uh, I don't have the manual in front of me, although I could very easily find it. Uh, but anyway, there's – I forget how many chickens per level – but you're trying to collect them all and get them to this exit door while avoiding the cats and maybe later some other things that are trying to stop Flicky. So, you know, it has that maze chase kind of flavor of Pac-Man, except it's less about covering the area of the entire thing. And the big risk reward is that you can get more points the more of the Flicky, the uh, chickens you collect before you go to the exit. So you have to get them all to complete the stage, but you get more points the more you dump off at a time. So, of course, the... The combo is going to grab all of them and uh, take them to the exit all at once. But you're also awarded points based on time, so you have to factor in that into account. I don't know if there's any other real pressure, except that as your chain gets longer, the enemies can break it, and you'll have to go collect the the um, chicks now. They're now scattered on the bottom of the floor instead of in these set positions, right? And they kind of move around a little. So it's a pretty good setup for a game. Nice risk-reward. There's little bonus stages. It seemed like it was kind of on its own as as a gameplay style, other than its ties to like the maze genre, until I think the first other example I encountered where I'm like, hey, this is like Flicky, besides Sonic 3D Blast, which is actually kind of like a semi-sequel, uh, because Flicky made a cameo and is in the first Sonic game, all the one of the animals that pops out of the robots when you uh, defeat them is Flicky. That So that bird is one of the trapped animals. Um, so Sonic 3D Blast was... Kind of a sequel. They took Sonic and do pseudo-isometric 3D, and you actually get through gated areas by collecting flickies. Oh, sure, yeah. Right, using the same mechanic. Um, but there's a lot more going on to that gameplay, but that's like the key, that's the the way you progress through the levels in that. But the game that uh, made me take notice was actually an early PS3 game called Super Rub-A-Dub. Have huh. either of you played okay. that? I have not. Yeah, it's... I, I can't remember if I've played it or if i've just w incessantly watched trailers around the ps3 launch yeah so there was there was a famous demo i think on the ps2 of the the rubber duckies and i believe super rubber dub is kind of a, a takeoff on that to to turn it into a full game but anyway you're you play a rubber ducky and this time you're in a uh 
a bathtub-like level. It's kind of like the old wooden labyrinth marble game. Mm-hmm. You may have yeah. seen yeah, the, the kid's toy. Oh, yeah. You tilt the controller to, to move the bathtub, right? Right, exactly. And there's there's water on there, and you can you can flick the controller to make the, the rubber ducky jump. But it has that exact same flicky mechanic, where there are a bunch of other tiny rubber duckies in bubbles scattered throughout this. This is a top-down view. The flicky was a platformer side view with gravity and all that. And, you know, the, some of the levels have water currents and stuff, but the goal, it's, it's essentially flicky, just with a change of perspective. Right. Right. And some, and, and some interesting motion mechanics, which, you know, were probably some of the better motion mechanics on the, the DualShock 3 and 6 axis. Um, but, but yeah, I really enjoy that. So you're trying to get all the rubber ducks to the drain or whatever, and there's sharks patrolling the level. And you have a few more things you can mess with. Yeah. So when 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 I was saying it's like a, a bubble bobble like, it's actually not like bubble bobble at all. Because <laughs> in bubble bobble, your goal is to kill all the enemies. And like when I was thinking flicky likes, oh yeah, flicky, that's the game that's like bubble bobble. Like I was I was lumping it in with like Joust and Mario Brothers and Bubble Bobble, where mm. it's a single screen platformer yeah. where you are trying to kill all the enemies. But this is a pretty different thing. And like what comes to mind now is uh, Mario versus Donkey Kong 2 March of the Minis. But I'm trying to remember, like, do you have a protagonist on that screen? Like, are, are you are you controlling the environment there? Do you remember? Or did you play that? Oh, gosh. Um, I know in the first, I think the first, well, the first Mario versus Donkey Kong was like a sequel to Donkey Kong 94. Yeah, it didn't have the minis. Right. I think I know I know Mario goes away at some point, but I forget if it was in March of the Minis or the sequel to that. Right. I think March of the Minis was more lemming y. Yeah. Lemmings. Yeah, I'm looking at okay, I'm looking at a, a long play now and it's a lot more like gyromite. God. But yeah, yeah Lemmings. Lemmings is like another one of those like there's a lot of trying to get things to the exit games, but specifically the idea of you are a dude and you are collecting dudes and they follow you in a trail and the trail can be broken and you're tr- right that is fairly specific while also being fairly flexible yeah yeah it's like i guess pikmin but th- th- you can't break the trail in that so yeah there are a couple more in recent years um picks the cat have you heard of that one yeah i haven't heard that one the risk reward in that is it's a lot like um snake actually where the more you collect, Ooh. the longer tail you get, and you actually, you know, lose a life or whatever. Yeah. Um, your progress resets if you crash into it, and it's in these tight mazes too. So it it's like that one's like an amalgamation of Snake, Pac-Man, and Flicky all together, kind of bringing it home. <laughs> right. Yeah. I actually really like the idea of making Snake a little bit more forgiving by if you bite your own tail you don't die you just lose the that part of the tail yeah it appears that flicky uses she her pronouns according okay. to or at least wikipedia uses she for flicky all right now we know thank you for that clarification i, I of course i had caught myself and figured flicky flicky transcends gender we don't we don't need to put it on <laughs> this is true i think i just saw blue and thought oh blue is for boys okay um <laughs> I have too many Switch games. Uh, where is it? Some hacking theme game, and they just released like a big collection. Stalling for time. Well, I should play some of these sometime. Um, <laughs> <laughs> super exciting, I know. 
Just a reminder, we edit this show, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 okay for parts to be boring because they will be removed. Much like the human body. Okay, that's right. Oh, now you made a funny joke, and now we have to include this whole part. Uh, oh no! Secret sound. Um, no, wait, we don't do that on this show, do we? <laughs> the one place Jim doesn't put secrets in the in the uh, the podcast. There was a glitch in my editing process for a while where. At the very, like the last second of the MP3 of the podcast would have like a random snippet of audio from somewhere earlier in the podcast. And that was just like something that Sony Vegas did until I figured out how to make it not do that. And I'm a little bit sad that I fixed it because that's a fun, like definitely would make people wonder like, is that a secret? Is that like a code? Are you archifying this episode of the pod? Uh, no, I'm done with ARGs. I've got a kid now. I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. This is heard in the latest show. Okay. So I found the game I was thinking of, but it turns out it's uh, it doesn't play like I was thinking it plays. Although it's a similar top-down maze view. Okay. So that was a, that was a waste of time. But, uh... No, no. We had this <laughs> lovely digression about... Yeah, sure thing. Okay, yeah. So I, I guess uh, in terms of flicky likes, there are there are at least three, and perhaps no more. Anyway, there are a lot of video games out there, and I th- I always liked that risk reward in flicky, and I think it's pretty cool. Yay for flicky! I don't know how much else I have to say except flicky is widely available. Uh, Picks the cat is widely available. Super Rub Dub is on the PS3. And... I'm watching someone play flicky on YouTube right now, and it's mesmerizing. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about um, Bubble Bobble and sure. how it's really sad that no one's taken like the the bubbling mechanic and all the nuances of the bubbling mechanic and turned that into like a Metroidvania type thing. Ooh, because like I, there's a lot of subtlety to it, like the invisible the invisible air currents, like the keeping the bubbles alive long enough to jump on them, like there's. There's a surprising amount of subtlety to it, and I think there's a lot of promise for that. For like, I don't know. I just I just want to play Bubble Bubble while I explore a world instead of just in arenas. Yeah, you might enjoy Liquid Kids, which uh, is sort of in the same. It's another Taito game. Um, it doesn't have the exact same mechanics, so it's not exactly what you're looking for. But I mean, you're throwing bubbles at things, and it's a side scroller. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, and Bubble Bubble has numerous sequels, so for all I know, there is something close to that potentially in one of the weird console-only Game Boy spinoffs yeah, or something like that's that. That's true. I didn't really think about uh, uh, all the Bubble Bubble sequels. There are a ton, and uh, H Hardcore Gaming 101 recently did a series on – I don't know if they did the entire – Malu, I think it was just the straight anything called Bubble Bobble, but a, use, a useful article because that's for a game that has like three famous games in it. It's pretty extensive <laughs> as a series. It all, so, so I'm, now I'm looking at like Rainbow Islands, which is a very different mechanic, right? But the the kid has the dragon's eyes, so clearly it's a a Bubble Bobble game. Yeah. Rainbow Islands colon Towering Adventure. Yeah. There are like three or four separate games that can claim to be bub- the second Bubble Bobble, like Bubble Bobble 2 in some way, Rainbow Islands being one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're expanding to Bubble Bobble likes, there's a game called Whip Whip, which is on uh, Steam and Switch, which is a pretty good one. 
and probably one of the ones that's closest to Bubble Bobble, where you have that mechanic of destroying several enemies at once to and things things worth higher point values dropping on the stage. Whip whip the word whip twice. I've been trying to find it, and I keep finding whip do whip nay nay dance like <laughs> dancing videos. Yeah, that's gonna you, happen. You got to search on the the digital storefronts uh, on Steam or Switch, and it should pop up. But yeah, Flicky's a cool game. Uh, check it out pretty much everywhere because Sega will put it on just about anything, as it should. And check out Picks the Cat because I I need to play more of it, but it's a uh, it's pretty cool. It's like if uh you know Flicky got the Pac Man Championship. It, DX edition. Nice. Yeah, Whip Whip takes everything from Bubble Bobble except the bubbles. Like it yeah, is Yeah, pretty it, much. <laughs> like all the little uh the 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 interstitial animations, like the extend yep. system. What do they call it? Expand or something like that, I think it was. <laughs> right. So before we move on to the next topic, I want you to picture a world where instead of making a terrible Sonic game every couple of years. Sonic Team makes a terrible flicky game every couple of years. <laughs> would would we be better off? Go play Sonic 3D Blast and see how you feel about it. I want to play Flicky Frontiers. That's what I want to play. Ooh. I could see it happening. You know what? I could I could see Flicky Missions being added to Frontiers and uh <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. Sequelizing sequelizing 3D Blast. Uh are we ready for another topic? You don't want to play Flicky Legends of the Weird Flicky? I do want to play that. Flicky Unleashed. Flicky Princess. <laughs> uh, are we ready for another topic? I think so. I have the topic here, Etch-A-Sketch Animator 2000. So you know, you know the Etch-A-Sketch, which is like a terrible toy for terrible people, uh, <laughs> where instead of dr- drawing with a pencil, you draw with a, a, a dial that controls each axis individually and you can't lift up the pencil. Yeah, it's- that's me. I'm a terrible person. That's right. And like legitimately, I've always been baffled at like why that – like obviously, it's because boomers had it as a kid and so they bought it for us too. Yes. But it is worse in every way than a pencil and paper. But the Etch-A-Sketch Animator is uh, much more interesting. It is a standalone um, animation system. It looks like it says here that the screen is 40, 60 by 40 pixels. And it has 196K of RAM, and you can draw images on it and then animate them. And that's incredible. And this was like um released in 1987. Yep, that that tracks. I had I had an Etch a Sketch animator. Yeah. Yeah. And- oh, the original animator did not have 196K of RAM, it had 2K of RAM. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> so tell tell us about your experience with this with this Etch a Sketch animator. I think I managed to make animations that were like perhaps five or six frames long using this thing. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Uh I remember vividly making like an alien spaceship taking off and doing the like alternating lights. It had some presets on it. It did still control with the knobbies. <laughs> uh which was fun. And you could press in to do various, uh, I, I can't remember, was it press in? I can't remember how you marked or not. Like, I don't, I think you could move to a spot on the screen without dragging pixels behind it. Right. That was a big innovation. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. 
but I I remember like periodically digging it up and wanting to do more with it and make more five or six frame animations again. I remember also making like little stick figures walk across the screen or at least halfway across the screen before I got really frustrated with the little knobbies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, looking at a picture of it, it looks like there's buttons for draw and erase, so you would either press them once probably or Got it. to uh Yep, yep. change modes. Yeah. I I I think that's yes. That is right. I think you would press it to change the mode. You would change it to draw mode and then you would Yep, yep, yep. This is how this thing functions. The Etch-a-Sketch Animator 2000, the classic knobs are replaced with the magic touchpad, which See? looks incredible. Like, that's a way better tool. So this reminds me of, like, a, a tool that, it, like, can you can use to easily make animations in 1986. That's really cool. And that reminds me of, like, people talking about and the, the promise of HyperCard, for example. Yeah, oh my and god. HyperCard was, what, like, 1990 or something like that? Something like that. I was also a huge HyperCard sucker. Sure. HyperCard was great. And then, like, and then there was Flash in the late 90s. Yep. Which was a great tool for animation and later for game development. And the thing about all these toys, about all these tools, is that you you have you have your memory of the promise of these tools and you have your memory of like, I, I wish, you know, I could play with a modern version of that. And the thing to remember is that they were only great in their context. Mm-hmm. Like nowadays, there are way better tools for doing animations. And actually, I don't know if there are better tools for doing animations than Flash, come to think of it. I think that might still be I mean, one of the best. Yeah, I think Scaleform is still still an industry standard. Okay, never yeah. never mind. Sometimes sometimes it's still the best. But Etch-A-Sketch Animator... Still the best, 1973. Right, Etch-A-Sketch Animator, not still the best. But it is still cool. It is still still like a, a weird, cool artifact. Like a thing that looks like an Etch-A-Sketch, but has an LCD screen... And a button that says recall on it. <laughs> see, now I kind of want to see like the universe in which video game studios keep like an Etch-A-Sketch animator around in order to do all their UI work because it was weirdly the best tool for animation at the time. <laughs> oh man, you could totally you could totally have an Etch-A-Sketch animator and then like Mortal Kombat it, just turn the Etch-A-Sketch drawings into uh into sprites. Yeah. The Etch-A-Sketch animator had a expansion slot and there were three game cartridges you could play flyby a flight simulator overdrive a road racing game or or putt nuts a miniature golf game putt nuts it's a good name putt nuts putt nuts singular <laughs> yeah putt nut putt nut is a great yeah no that's good putt nuts go to the moon <laughs> featuring alan shepherd was alan shepherd in that game no, Alan Shepard golfed on the moon. Oh, sure. Yeah. Or he hit he hit one golf ball. It counts. I'm sure it landed in a hole. There are plenty of those on the moon. Did it, re- it reach escape velocity is my question. Um, you know, I at one time I think I knew the answer to that. Uh, I think the answer is no, but uh, don't quote me on that. Let's see if the search just gives me the answer. Somehow this Etch-A-Sketch animator passed me by, which is weird because I had both an Etch-A-Sketch and animation toys as a kid but uh uh-huh. never they they didn't get a Reese's peanut butter cup together it would i mean it'd have to be going pretty fast it looks like moon's escape velocity is 2.38 kilometers per second according to this article 
He hit two golf balls. The first one traveled 24 yards, and the second one traveled 40 yards, which is, I don't know, that seems low to me. It does. But also, you're golfing in a spacesuit, so that's probably a bit... Yeah, a bit, that's a good point. That's a big disadvantage. Really... Also, was it... Did, did he have a driver? Like, what what club was it? How close was he to the hole? Yeah. Maybe, maybe he got it on the green. That's a great point. Yeah. So I never had the Etch-A-Sketch animator, but we did have the VTech video painter. Uh, tell me more about that. Yeah. So this was a standalone um, electronic toy that plugged into your television. Holly, didn't you work at VTech? Uh, I worked at... Well, I worked at a company that is now owned by VTech or was purchased, acquired by VTech. Yeah. I worked at uh, Leapfrog uh, right. for a while, who who was mortal enemies with VTech. Who <laughs> was a competitor, right? There. Yeah. That's why I was confused. But yeah, this thing, it, it was like MS Paint, but you didn't need to own a computer. Sure. And you could do simple animations, and the color palette was pretty terrible. And I mean, you were already working on an NTSC television with it. I don't know if... What do PAL video painters exist? So something I never thought about until now. Um, yeah, and you know the idea was you could also plug it into your VCR to save your drawings and stuff. The same thing with Mario Paint. The same thing with uh, the other big one that I rented once was the Tiny Toon Adventures Cartoon Workshop on NES. You know, which was obviously a bit more limited, but you know, fairly extensive for an, an NES creative sweet yeah i would imagine it has a lot of like available frames of animation for you to mess with yeah yeah and i i I, you know in a handful of backgrounds and stuff and i was able to put together like a short thing which probably exists somewhere on a vhs tape around here yeah yeah to do that one time so yeah i like these little animation simple drawing tools and you know even the idea of using the terrible knobs or whatever you know the most inefficient way harkens to me back to like Arcade games where if they had a different control scheme, it's like, yeah, it would be easier, but it would also not be the point. That's not the game. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. The the input is is part of the game. Um, yeah. my, my big complaint with the Etch-A-Sketch is, you know, after about six months of use, you uh, you would start to look, <laughs> look like the Tin Man after using it because the powder would start to leak out as the case got <laughs> a bit more relaxed. I, I was never a big fan of toys with that kind of like limited lifespan. <laughs> like they had some goo that would leak out or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Planned obsolescence. They want you to, they want your parents to buy you another one. Yep. But yeah, both versions of this animator look uh, pretty neat. I haven't looked at videos or anything, but fairly affordable still too, it looks like. Yeah. I just watched a, a clip or a commercial for the video painter and it's definitely one of those it looks like you can do animations with it, but just the idea of like, it's like painting, but on a TV, but worse than regular painting. Yeah, but it was it was interesting because, you know, it was a tablet, like a tablet style control. And yeah, but you'd have to look at the TV. And uh, I think the animation wasn't very good. There was like a handful of stamps that were animated. Okay. And like you could click the animation button to make them do their thing over whatever you put them on top of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that was disappointing. If you picked one that didn't animate, it would just blink. <laughs> it is cool, and that's maybe enough to to distinguish it. And it's also like, I don't know, I don't know if people are thinking this far ahead, but like, yeah, you can get this tablet and train your kid for the future in being an animation sweatshop artist. Uh, I made flip books as a kid, too, just to 
Just a couple of on post-it notes. Oh, uh, and now I hate the Etch-a-Sketch Animator 2. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the part of, part of the uh, joy of an electronic art program is an undo button. And, oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, and you can alter frames without having to start from a new one. And Plus, it's electronic. That's just That's just neat. It's neat. It is neat. It's neat. You're looking at the future. 40 by 60 gray squares. 2,000. That's a lot of squares. That's when <laughs> products put 2,000 on them because 2,000 was the future. Yeah. Products should still do that. I mean, my graphics card has, is a 2,000. Yeah. But well, it's, it's even further. It's a 2070. So See? That's, that's still in the future. And it's a super, so it's even more in the future. Everybody likes soup. It's true. They should bring back the super. They could have avoided this. They could have avoided this whole four forty seventy Ti kerfuffle with the. Uh, just bring back the super line. Are we ready for another topic? Sure. Uh, for this topic, we're doing the poem. My brother's head should be replaced by Jack Perlutsky. Uh My brother's head should be replaced. It's lighter than a feather. He's trying to use tomato paste to paste tomatoes together. Now, what's wrong with that? Like, what is the... Okay, the, the poem ended, by the way. That was just the four lines. The uh, ABCB... No, it was ABAB rhyme scheme. That's your poem analysis of the day. Now we can get into the bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like this brother. I think this brother is... His head is in the right place. And he's clearly, like, according to this illustration, is clearly enjoying pasting these tomatoes a lot. Yes, indeed. I mean, you can get them to stick for a little while with tomato paste. Yeah. Yeah, why call it paste otherwise? Yeah. Yeah. So his head should not be replaced because it is in the right place, as you state. <laughs> but if we did want to move it, it would be very easy to move because it's lighter than a feather. Fair. Yeah, so this is this is a short one. I like it. Um, have either of you seen Jack Perlesky's work before? Uh, I have long ago. No, yeah. or maybe not. Not that. Not to my knowledge. Yeah, it makes um, me think of Shel Silverstein. Yeah, very much. You know, he's a, he's a poet for for children mostly. Um, I've seen him described as the poet laureate of children. But I I know I encountered a couple of his poems before ever attaching a name to it. And uh, the the video I linked is actually an entire playthrough of um, a CD ROM. From the uh, Living Books line. Oh, yeah. So it's a CD-ROM version of his collection, The New Kid on the Block, which I remember encountering in elementary school. Yeah, I think I did as well. I think I had that collection. I don't know if I had the Living Book. The Living Books are pretty cool. They, they just showed up at our school one day when, when computers with CD-ROM drives did. And uh, there was that. Ah, uh, the golden age of the CD-ROM. Yeah, the multimedia before we figured out <laughs> this is very very much of the multimedia era but yeah this the the poem itself um the the, the last couplet is really what what brings it together uh no pun intended for me uh i really love the way it turns the the phrase tomato paste on its head and you know becomes verb object in the last line oh, sure like immediately after that kind of immediate turnaround is is like so much catnip to me. <laughs> it just bounces along very pleasingly, you know. It does. It's a very short poem with a, a, a silly situation. 
You immediately have the sibling rivalry. And you have the irony there that the the clever the clever part of the poem is the thing that the the narrator is accusing his the thing that you like about the poem the thing that is clever is the different reading of tomato paste which is what the very thing that the brother is or that the narrator is accusing his brother of um needing to have his head replaced for yes yeah i i love i love these kind of instant turnarounds uh you know every once in a while in in my own life i find an occasion where i can pull one of those out of pocket or come up with it you know i wish i could do it more have you ever wanted a tomato to be bigger I ever wanted a tomato to be bigger. Can you think of a time in your life you you had a tomato and you'd be like, you know what would make my life better? Even just a little would be if this tomato was bigger. Um, uh, when all I have are cherry tomatoes and I'm like trying to make a sandwich. Ooh. Okay. Sure. That's when I want a bigger tomato. Perfect time to pull out the tomato paste. Perfect time. <laughs> the tomato centipede. <laughs> oh, oh my god. <laughs> But yeah, what do you think tomato paste would be used for? Silly, come on. Yeah, that's making, <laughs> making horrible mindfuck horror movies. <laughs> yeah, Prolutsky. Oh, uh, that kind of tomato centipede. Some of the other poem you might have heard his Ankylosaurus poem. Clankety 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 clank. Ankylosaurus was built like a tank. Is that is that the whole thing? No, there's more to it, but uh, that's, okay, that's the catchy part. Where if you would remember it, you would remember. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that one. It sounds pretty good though. Yeah, and then and then yeah. uh, the poem about homework, homework, oh homework. I hate you, you stink. <laughs> I vaguely remember yeah. that one. Are we uh, ready for another topic? I think so. Sure. John, your topic is Buff Diglett. Diglett is a Pokemon. Diglett is typically depicted as uh, only its head being visible above the surface. It's kind of a mole-type Pokemon, but all you see is its head, two eyes, a nose. It's it's brown, has a round little nose. And you, you, So you think canonically there's more to Diglett, but you just never see it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, That's your interpretation of that. Right. It's a natural, uh, it's a natural question to ask. It's like, well, where's, where's the rest of it? What's going on down there? Is it a snake? Is it, you know, does it have claws? I mean, it can use Slash, but, you know, lots of Pokemon moves don't make too much sense if you think about them for too long about which animal, which uh, monster can learn what. Yeah. So, you know how, like, when you look at the Super Smash Brothers trophy, like, I think it's Daisy has, like, an extra eye in the back of her head or something like that? Yes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, I don't know if there's a Diglett trophy in Super Smash Brothers, but I'm pretty sure it just ends, like, right where the Diglett enters the ground. Yeah. Like, there's nothing there. It's certainly possible, but, uh, yeah, this buff Diglett was a uh, was a theory that uh, me, and, me and my siblings came up with watching the cartoon. Okay. Um, I think somebody, one of them, drew a uh, drew it at one point. Very hilarious, you know, to imagine there's just this huge buff body just under it. We're, we're, we're picturing, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger in his bodybuilding right. days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or just Machoke, but a little bigger, or something like that. You, so, you know, great joke, everybody laugh, and uh, you, it turns out, when I look around on the internet, a lot of other people had the same idea at some point. Yeah, searching Googling searching for buff Diglett gets a lot of these results. Yeah, no, God, there's so many buff diglets. Yeah. They are. Yeah, they're good. This is a good image for sure. 
so it's like this collective unconscious thing. Maybe it's a, uh, you know, maybe it's a very obvious idea. Um, but of all the possibilities, like it seems to be one with a lot of traction for whatever reason. And I, I'd like to believe that most of the ones out there were also arrived at independently. So I did a an episode of Train Hot Dog about buff kittens where I wanted to see, like, I thought it'd be really funny to see a picture of a really muscular kitten. But it turns out when you search for buff kittens, buff is also a color. Buff is oh. like this, like, sort of like light tan color. Yes, I've I've seen that. And buff kitten, if you search for buff kitten, you get nothing but images of the kittens of that color. And that would be the other way to have a buff diglet would be instead of the, instead of brown, they're just like a little bit lighter. I guess that's it. That's the whole thing. <laughs> I didn't get any of those results when I searched for a buff diglet. What if diglet just had like one peck? Just the one? Just, just, just below. So like your idea... You know, it ends just below the surface, except there's actually a peck there, and uh, then it ends. Okay, sure. I'm into it. I haven't seen that one yet. So how does this extend to Doug Trio? Um, I forget if we decided there was one body or three. I don't know if we got that far. The internet seems divided on this subject. Yeah, you know, it seems like I saw one picture of just three diglets all hugging. Uh, with, with I their saw bu- that With one. their buff, buff bodies. Plug in the middle of a topic that Retronauts recently did an episode on the Choa Nikki series. Uh, if you like all this discussion of things that are buff that maybe shouldn't be. <laughs> Do you two have anything that, uh, you know, you felt like the only one, but the, it turned out to be this big shared notion from childhood or otherwise? I'm sorry. I'm being distracted by this image of a, of a diglet that has an octopus body. I wasn't even paying attention to the, uh, the chat. Oh, yeah, yeah. That that wasn't the image I was talking about. That was another no, image no, no. that I found of, of three <laughs> bodybuilders wearing diglet heads. I guess they're supposed to be the Doug Trio. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. Uh, it's, anyway, I, I love topics that are supposed to be homework for the listener. <laughs> right. A, a very a very visual, visual topic that uh, – but that's okay, because we have more topics. Well, and- not only that, it exists in the collective unconscious. Like, I I, I am sure our the listeners can, like, conjure up in their heads the exact images we're talking about. Yeah. Like, it's Buff Diglett. Like, you said Buff Diglett. It was on the topic list. I knew instantly what you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, Diglett is slightly tan in color. There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or a naked Diglett in the buff, as they no, would say. naked Diglett. <laughs> Speaking of things that disturbingly don't, may or may not have. Don't. <laughs> uh, oh, all these images are censored. I was going to say, didn't we already do things that don't surprisingly don't have Roll 34? But uh, yeah. nope, we found the opposite of that. As, as part of typing naked diglet, I have the word naked and it auto completed a naked woman. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, this, this is. This is a 12-year-old searching for porn? Like, what's... Like, not everybody... I get that not everybody is where I am with my extremely specific needs. <laughs> but still, like, that. yeah, that is like, oh, I, I just I just realized I could search for this stuff on the internet. <laughs> oh. The most popular search results. <laughs> when I say naked, you say women. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> naked, 
juice, naked gun, naked dicklet. <laughs> don't don't Google naked dicklet. Buff tane, dear listeners. Dicklet hat wobble. <laughs> uh, that's all the time we have for topic lords. Aww. <laughs> uh, Haldi, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on Twitter at although I'm not on there much anymore. Uh, at Halley underscore 9000. Yeah, you don't have your co-host account yet? I don't have my co-host account yet. I probably should set that up, but I just haven't been as online recently. Well, I mean, that's actually, like, that is what you should do, is not be online. That's fair. Five out of six, ten disagree. Don't go online. Then don't go to space. Go. Space dentist! Will I be hitting the teeth with a golf ball? Uh, no, it's just it's, life in space is impossible. Well, that's true. <laughs> I'd imagine the radiation uh, alone would give you tons of cavities, so I can really see that that recommendation lining up and not just being out of nowhere. Yeah, dentists have thought about this a lot, except for the one dentist. Uh, and John, if this is something that you want, where can people find, find you on the internet? Uh, I'm still on Twitter, um, somehow. Um, but I'm also on the Topic Lords Discord, where I always am posting. Um, I do have a co-host. I have not done anything with it. I got the the thing in my email saying, "Hey, your your account's fully good to go now." And I'm like, I figure I should post all my video game garbage there instead of in little snippets all over the place. But I haven't done that yet. But that the name I got was about to happy, which is something I've used also on my Twitch account. Try and keep all that uh, video game garbo together. Maybe something will be up there, but probably not. So those first two are probably your best bet. That is a way too long section of where to find me. I just followed you on co-host. Fantastic. Yeah, I think I followed you already and haven't done anything. I didn't recognize your name. That, there you go. Yeah. That, that's not uh, surprising. All right, thanks so much for being on. Thanks for having Thank us. you again. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!